What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 112 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I am wearing a sick Nike shirt. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he's wearing a sick Nike shirt. Frank, how you doing? You know, I tried Raisin Bran for the first time today. Oh yeah, how'd that go? It's a little overrated, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not in on it. And I, and I like cereals like that. You know, Me too, like but... mini wheats and mm-hmm. Cheerios. So I, I it wasn't what I expected. I was expecting the actual brand flakes to be like frosted flakes, but without like the the sweetness. But I thought they'd be crunchy, but they're like they were like staley and chewy, and they had no flavor. And the only flavor you got was from the raisins themselves, which is yeah. like I don't hate raisins, but it's like. It's not a texture for a cereal you really want. Yeah, I get that. I don't hate raisins either, but I don't love them. So it can't be what's going on, Skokes. It can't be. Hello, welcome. It can't be the only uh, source of flavor in a cereal. Happy Wednesday to Skylar. Happy birthday to Skylar. Oh, happy birthday. Congratulations on turning 29. I believe he's 29 because he's a year older than me. Great older than me. Um, Happy birthday to you. Um, yeah, I listen, I love the sugary cereals as much as the next guy, but like I could get down with like the healthier cereals too. Just Raisin Bran, eh, yeah, not as much. I'd rather, I'd rather eat Cheerios or any of the other healthy cereals. For I, sure. was, I was so pumped. I grabbed some. I'm like, this is going to be great. And then it was just downhill. Like it, that shouldn't be a cereal. See, Frank, you can't go in life thinking everything is going to be awesome. It looked fantastic because <laughs> I th- I had the frosted flakes on my mind. Yeah, it was crunchy with a little sweetness, but I, I kid you not, there was no flavor. If I was blindfolded, I'd have no idea what I'm eating. Hey, Frankie, I like the things you do. Hey, Frankie, if I could, I would be you. It's the one and only Frankie with the one and only taste. He wishes he had a breakfast cereal to make him feel great. I wish. But instead I had Cheerios and I like Cheerios. Cheerios. Cheerios are good. What's your all-time favorite cereal? Like sugary, any any kind of cereal. It is tough. There are some elite ones and there are people who get mean, mean spirited arguments over this stuff. I like Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I like s'more cereal might be my favorite. S'more it went away for like years. It came back. Um, I also like Captain Crunch peanut butter. And I'm I'm, I'm a big mini wheats guy, frosted mini wheats preferably. But yeah, I that's probably on my Mount Rushmore to be honest with you. Yeah. For sure. Katie says Lucky Charms. I like Lucky, Lucky Charms. Lucky Charms are elite. If I was Irish, I probably would like them more. I'm not like, really picky of any cereal, though. Me just, ra- just Raisin Bran. That's the first cereal. But it's not that I didn't like it. I just wouldn't eat it. Yeah. I get that. Like, if you were starving and all, hey, you want a bowl of Raisin Bran yeah, before, we go on this, before we go on this hike, either that or be extremely hungry. Yeah, for sure. 100%. But like I, I'm with you, I'm totally with you. I like Lucky Charms. I really like Apple Jacks. I, I agree with Skylar. Very few bad cereals. I agree. Lucky Charms, outstanding cracker or not Cracker Jacks. Cracker Jacks are good too, but they're not cereal. Apple Jacks are outstanding. I love Apple Jacks. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Ooh, so good. Um, what's the peanut butter chocolate one? Captain Crunch. Peanut yeah. butter crunch. Uh, all the Captain Crunches. Berry Crunch. Peanut butter crunch. Outstanding cereal. Um, 
underrated though? Oreo O's. Oreo O's? Oreo O's are unbelievable. That's probably my favorite cereal. I don't Euro know if I've had them. They kind of did what the s'mores ones did. I don't did. know if I... The s'mores ones, like they went on the hiatus, and now you could get them again, I think, the Oreos. That's not the easiest to find cereal, but of every cereal I've ever had in my life, that one was for sure my favorite. Really? Yeah, 100%. I like Oreo flavor. I like Oreo flavor, like that cookies and cream flavor, more than like actual Oreos themselves. Like I like actual Oreos themselves, but like a cookies and cream cheesecake like Joey used to make. Um, yeah, liking Raisin Bran is a red flag. Like, no, no, thank you. Um, now I'm going to go down a rabbit hole. Apple Jacks are top tier for me as well. I agree with Skylar. There's just something about like the texture of Apple Jacks and they have like a cinnamon flavor, but not, it's not like an overwhelming cinnamon. Like, right. like cinnamon toast crunch are way more cinnamony than Apple Jacks, but like Apple Jacks, they have like that red, whatever the red flavor is and the green flavor. It's not apple flavored. I can't exactly tell you what it is. It's a good combination. Yeah, you could tell the difference between the red one and the green one, too, blindfolded, if you know them. So, like, I don't know. It's just a really, Fruit really Loops good. Fruit Loops are good. Fruit Loops are really good. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Fruit Loops. Tricks. What? Tricks. Craves. I was going to say, have you noticed tricks are like little balls now instead of being shaped like the fruit? Yeah. Do you know why? No. They're still, sh- they're still shaped like fruit. You just can't see it because tricks are for kids. <laughs> You will not convince me that our little cousins can't see the actual fruits. There's no way. There's no way they just changed into balls when I became an adult. Tricks are for kids. Silly, Frankie. Silly, Frankie. Tricks are for kids. Hey, you know, if that's the case, I'm fine with it. Me too. Me too, because then my kids will have the enjoyment of knowing the true power of being a kid with the tricks. tricks. I mean, crave, craves pretty good. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Oh yeah. With the The little things with the the outside. Yup. Yup. So good. So good. And that's a newer end cereal. It's probably, they're probably old now, but like those weren't around when we were like little, little kids, I would say that's like middle school. I think when those came out, the crave. Have you ever had rice crispy treat cereal? Yes. Now that is top tier too. Yes. Clusters in there. Yes. That are like, it tastes like rice crispy. Those are absolutely. Absolutely. Now what about like fruity pebbles and cocoa pebbles? Love them. I would prefer Cocoa Pebbles, but I like both. See, I'm the opposite. I'm a Fruity Pebble guy. Okay. Okay. Frankie likes to get down and dirty with the Fruity. I like it. But I uh, like... I like Fruity Pebbles, too. What's the chocolate... I think you mentioned it. The chocolate cereal. The balls. Cocoa Puffs? Cocoa Puffs. So there's another one, I think. Milky, Milky Cocoa Puff. No, I think there's another one. Um, The one with the toucan? No, that's... that's... No. That's not loops. Count Chocula. That's around Halloween. Well, I was going to ask you about the Halloween cereals. Boo Count Berry, Boo Berry, Count Chocolate, Chocolate, and then I can't remember the third one. It's like a pink box. Yeah. I think I think it's the same cereal as Boo Berry, technically, except they're raspberry-flavored cereal instead of blueberry. But, like, the combination of the marshmallow with the cereal flake is the same. But I can't remember what the H is called. So if someone know. wants to throw it in the chat, please do. Uh, Frankenberry. Skylar nailed it. I knew Skylar oh. would know his Halloween cereal trivia that on, sounds on top of his game. That sounds familiar. So, yeah. Um, oh, Katie said there's supposed to be an icy cereal coming well, out this we year. we had it. We had it. I forgot to tell Katie. I didn't even yeah. think to tell Katie Did about that. Did you try that. it? Oh, I tried it. It makes your mouth like cold. It does. It's, really it's wild. I had it. I'm like, wow. Danielle comes up, or one of our cousins comes up to me and says, try this. It'll make your mouth cold. 
It's like, no. Imagine eating that with a bowl of cereal and then you get the yeah. cold milk. Your mouth is probably freezing. Yep. I want to yep. try it and with like, milk. Me too. I normally don't like things that are like that make your mouth cold like mint. But for some reason, it works in that cereal. And it tastes like, like an icy. Me too. I, I'm going to get a box for Katie and I to try with milk and we're going to eat it when it's really hot out. I think that'll Do be it. it'll be a refreshing breakfast. So, you know, I'm excited about cereal. I'm going to go on a little cereal kick now. You know what we should do? I got a question for you when you're done on this. Thursday night football to kick off the season. Um, <laughs> That's not going to end well for me. Hey, it was offered to me. What am I supposed to say? No, thank you. <laughs> like, Frank, what am I supposed to do here? You, were, you weren't with your girlfriend that day. Were you going to say, no, I can't try some of this no, delicious coffee cereal? got to try it. Yeah. Maybe Katie and G could try it together. <laughs> um, yeah, no, we'll we'll get our girlfriends to try this delicious cereal. But you know what? We didn't even get the full experience because we had didn't have milk. I, got I mean a I literally for you when you're done. Yeah, I had like a handful of it, but really quick. Then your question. Thursday night football to kick off the season. Lions, Chiefs, cereal as the main course. That's fine with me. We'll all pour bowls of cereal. We'll all bring our own box of cereal to the table. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine with that me. sounds delightful. Instead of a soup bar, we'll have a cereal bar. I'm in like Flynn. I'll make half bowls so I can try one of everyone's. Oh, I'm in. Cereal yeah, party. I feel like with cereal, you can't have like as much as you would with soup because there becomes a point like, you know, the milk challenge, like your body can't consume a gallon of milk. It's like literally impossible. Yeah. Like, whereas I think you could, you could probably have a gallon of soup and be okay. Probably wouldn't feel good, but I don't know if you'd puke. Who knows? But you know what I mean? Like you physically can't have too much cereal. So you'd have to have like little bowls. Yeah. Little child bowls. But my question for you is, do you think that you will consume at least one bowl of cereal while we're in Door County? Yes. I think I did last year. I think now that we've had this conversation, we almost have to. Well, they buy the little boxes, like the little box of, of eight that have like the variety. I, like Cocoa Puff. I tricks. did have one last year. And I remember I'm 90% I had one for sure, sure I had one last year. Dude, that with like one of those bagels? Mm. Mm. It's a perfect breakfast in Ooh. my head. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I'm just telling you, that's a great way to start your day. You know, you're going to do a little canoeing or maybe go shop for some jams or maybe, you know, go to Washington Island and for a little boat ride. Nothing better to start off your day than some bagels with a little bit of cereal. Ooh, Ooh. I'm in. Ooh, <laughs> I am in like Flynn. Oh, I just want to talk about cereal the whole time. Cereal podcast. My favorite hockey team got dummied. And you called it. You called the number of games and everything. That's rough. So, yeah. It's rough, rough. Frankie finally got a series right, and it came at my expense. I actually. <laughs> you did well in the second every round. Every series. You did well like, in the second round. Not the round. games, but the teams. Last yeah, time. you did well in the second round. It made up for that disaster of a first round you had. And I had an okay first round. In a, did I go 50% in the second round? Yeah, I went fit. No. Shit. I went one for three in the second round. That's tough. Yeah, that is tough. That is tough. Hey, no, nobody goes perfect. Nobody goes perfect. You're, you're going to hit some bumps in the roads in the playoffs. And I have no damn idea what I'm going to pick for this one. I'm going to decide when we get there. And I think it's very I'll, tough. It's well, not for one series is tough for me. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know which one <laughs> you're going to say. Yeah, of course, because 
you're not going to, are you going to have the absolute unmitigated gall to pick your second favorite team over your girlfriend's second favorite team? I guess. Uh, I guess. Yeah. That's a tough one for Frank. (laughs) That's a tough one for Frank. Um, I think I know where I'm going to pick and uh, I don't know though. I don't know. It all could go either way, but Frank, we will get to that discussion. Period. Number one. I like that period one jam. I do too. It's a nice jam. It's It's not too bad. It's perfect length. Yep. Yep. It's like right one little punch to the face. Like, hey, mother, pay attention. (laughs) We're about to talk for about some shiz. The subject's about to change in this bitch. It's all right. Frank, the Pittsburgh Penguins are searching for a new GM. What do you think? Did some research. I figured you would. And I came across, you know, a few articles. I perused a little bit. Dinky names on the plate for the there's, Pittsburgh There's Penguins. actually a lot of names, and I'm sure that a lot of them have been dwindled down. Um, and I, I actually think that's been confirmed. But um, but they said this is going to be a big week for the Penguin search, so who knows, maybe by the end of the week we'll have an answer, maybe narrowed down to a couple finalists. But we know Kyle Dubas is not going to be coming to the Pittsburgh Penguins because he said, you know, I'm sticking with the Leafs or I'm just going to take a break from the NHL this year. But some of the names that I've heard thrown around are Mark Bergevin, Jason Botterill. I'm going to butcher some of these names, by the way. It's it's Bergevin. Okay. Well, there's more butchering to come. I'll help you if I can. Jason Botterill, John Chiaka, Chaka, Matthew Darche, Ryan Martin, Peter Shirelli, but some other names that I heard that maybe are, I would think, could be the front runners. There's two guys that I didn't name who could be front runners here. Is Jason Carmanos, which Pittsburgh Penguins fans may be familiar with them. He was with the organization when they won two Stanley Cups in 2015, 16, and 2016, and 17. Um, so I mean, and not to mention he did win a, a Stanley cup with the hurricanes back in 2005, 2006, when he was with the organization. So he's got three Stanley cups under his belt. He knows how to win with the Pittsburgh Penguins knows how to uh, get him back into the playoffs. They missed the playoffs for the first time in 17 years. So, I mean, there's obviously some changes that need to be done. If there's a guy for the job, you bring in somebody who's already won a couple Stanley cups with him. He's definitely could be a front runner. Now the other guy, who not a lot of people have been throwing his name around a lot, is Eric Tulski from the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, Tulski helped create what we're seeing of this powerhouse organization with the Carolina Hurricanes. So if there's a guy that knows how to build, especially with some of the players in the organization of the, that the Penguins have, they don't have a terrible organization right now. I mean, we don't know what the core is gonna, how the core is going to fit into this rebuild or the, all these changes, but... If there's a guy that could create a fantastic organization, it's Eric Tulski. So I think it's it's narrowed down to one of those two. We'll see, but I think by the end of the week we'll have a little bit of a clear picture. I just have a bad feeling they're going to hire one of the dummies. I hope because not. I hope not either. But Crosby, Malkin, Latang are all in their mid to late thirties. Their prospect system sucks. I would rank it dead last. Bad. Thirty-two out of thirty-two. They don't have a Lane Hudson like Montreal or a Korchinski like the Blackhawks or, you know, a Nemich yeah. like the Devils. Yeah. They're not near. You know, I named I named a medium team, a bad team, and a good team right there. 
that all have good prospects. It doesn't matter where you are in the standings. And they, they sold their soul to win the Stanley Cup and go for multiple. So, like, that happens. The Blackhawks were there after, you know, 2017. Yeah, you know, and that's fine because they won their two cups. But what time is it for Pittsburgh? That's the hardest question. It's it's almost like I feel bad for them because I think they're going to be bad for a really long time, no matter who they hire. It's because time to rebuild. I it's it. it's time to rebuild. But are they going to get rid of Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you have to. You have to, but they like will they? The Blackhawks hung on to Taves and Kane for far too long, and Taves and Kane are franchise legends, equally if not less than Crosby and Malkin. Like I listen, I love Taves and I love Kane. They're not Crosby and Malkin. Like, maybe to the Blackhawks they are, what the those two are to the Penguins. But, like, in terms of the all-time NHL, like, lure, Crosby and Malkin are both top 20 players ever. And I I, I see it be equally as hard for that team to move on from them, even though it's they hard. should. It's hard, but you got to Sidney Crosby is a free agent after next year. Nobody realized. He signed one of those, like – contracts that are illegal to sign now like a 15-year deal or whatever it was you can't sign those anymore that's finally up after this upcoming season i'm pretty like the colorado avalanche would make sense for Sidney crosby the edmonton oilers would make sense for Sidney crosby you know what if what if Sidney crosby says let me go play a season with bedard <laughs> you know like like there are all sorts of possibilities now i think there's a and there's a certain 34 in Toronto that I see wearing a Blackhawks jersey soon. <laughs> I can't wait to touch on some of the stuff we're going to get with the Maple Leafs. There's well, some interesting comments made. There really are. Um, but I I don't know. The Penguins it, there it's a GM search that's very difficult because you have they're I think they're going to still keep trying to win. They had that opportunity to ship everybody out last year. And they chose to keep trying to win. Well, that's what happened with the Hawks, too, and it didn't pan out. It didn't pan out for them. I'm nervous about the Penguins. How long did Stan Bowman try to reel it back in? Seth Jones, DeBrinkett, all these guys that were brought in to, like, try and get that extra year or two of the playoffs. I see the Penguins doing something like that. I see them trading another first-round pick for a defenseman that'll help maybe make them an eight seed, and you know maybe they'll fall out and be like a nine seed or a ten seed and just miss playoffs again. Like I see that happening to them. I really do because there's no way. That's why all these dumbass names are on the board because they're not going to rebuild quite yet. I think they're they're just going to be a middling team for three or four more years. Washington's about to go through it too. Now John Carlson is a little bit younger. Like, you know, they have Connor McMichael and guys like that who are okay. Kuznetsov is not an old man quite yet. Um, so, you know, they might be a little bit better off than the Penguins. And Ovechkin has something that he's chasing for, you know, that, that'll that keep everybody motivated. But as far as, like, winning the Cup, eh, I think Washington is going to be in a very similar boat as Pittsburgh. But at least Washington has their GM in place. It's going to be interesting to see what the Penguins do. Yeah, I thought that you were like, I don't know what you want me to say. No, nothing. That that was good. We agree. We agree. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's it's scary times if you're a Penguins fan. I like the two names you brought up, though. But to me, those are two guys you hire. Those are two guys you hire when Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin hang them up. And you say, hey, we want 
we want Max Celebrini or whoever well, whoever's going to be the number one pick. If, if you want to be honest, I think Jason Carmanos, if he's a guy that come in this year, that's a guy that you try to win with the team you have. And with, when Crosby and Malkin don't hang up the skates because he's used to those guys on the team when he won, bring in a guy like Eric Tolsky, then it's like you might go through a new rebuild because he helped – build and rebuild the Carolina Hurricanes from what they are and to what they are today. So you never know. But I hope it's one of those two. You know, some of the other names on this list, I agree with you. They're just kind of like the dummy names. They're just kind of out there. Peter Shirelli. And then they're going to hire Babcock to be the coach. Yeah. Some of those names, like you just got to have some guys you're interviewing. But Yeah, that's true. Well, Frank, on the other side of the state, on the eastern side of the state, the Philadelphia Flyers announced that they will retain Danny Briere as their general manager, and they have hired Keith Jones to be the president of hockey operations. Last week's episode, the breaking news dropped mid-podcast when we were on with Shorts Guy yeah. saying that it was going to either be Keith Jones or Ed Olchek. We both, actually all three of us agreed that Keith Jones would end up being the likely guy. And then Bucci started tweeting like eyeball emojis and Bucci's friends with Keith Jones, not Eddie O. So I knew right away that Keith Jones got the job. Um, this was when I was scrolling Twitter after our show had been over. Um, he gets the job. He's got a long road ahead of them. I actually think the Flyers, they're right there with Pittsburgh as the hardest team to take over right now in the NHL, I think. And the reason I think that, if the Penguins wanted to ship out Crosby, or like they could, they could get future assets for them. Who are the Flyers going to trade? Are they going to trade Kevin Hayes? Okay, what are they going to get for Kevin Hayes? A third and a C-level prospect? What are they going to get for Cam Atkinson? Probably even less than that. You know, there's no Connor Bedard next year. You know, Max Celebrini, good player. He'd probably go fifth in this year's draft. Like, you know, actually, he probably would go like fifth fourth or fifth in this probably. Year's like like i would i think Fantilli's probably better than and this is no disrespect Gabapucci, whatever his name is celebrini um we're gonna fumble over that names a bunch what's with all the italians you got Fantilli and celebrini and parisi and all these guys um i do think the flyers they're gonna probably be in the sweepstakes for a guy like that again next year and they probably are a year too late I'm interested to see what John Tortorella thinks about all this and if he's able to coach a rebuilding team. Historically, he has been unable to do so. But, I mean, what are your thoughts? You know, Keith Jones is the right guy, more so than Eddie Olchek. Keith Jones knows this organization. He's announced for this organization for nearly two decades. Danny Briere, another guy who knows the organization well. But not a lot of – you know, I say this, but also take it with a grain of salt because if you really look into these guys' careers, they actually spent more time away from the Flyers than they were with the Flyers in their career. But they still know the values that the Flyers have, and they just still know the ins and outs of the organization. Now, Keith Jones is not a man who has experience in a role like this. However, he does have experience evaluating players. Think about how many Flyers games he's watched, how many hockey games he's watched, where he has to evaluate from announcing all these different players on the ice. And he says, oh, uh, so-and-so chipped in when they shouldn't have chipped in. Like He's been analyzing players for nearly two decades, and I think having at least that bit of experience will help him a little bit and try to turn this organization around. Because the Flyers, they're a beloved franchise in the NHL. 
I mean, I remember all those crazy series, Pittsburgh Penguins and Philadelphia Flyers back in the day and how good they were in 2010 when they made it to the cup and they, you know, they gave the Hawks problems in the cup. It's just the pit, the Philadelphia Flyers are an organization that's beloved in the NHL. And when they're better, it makes, you know, rivalries in the league better. It just makes it more enjoyable. So we'll see how it pans out. But I do think that Keith Jones was the right man for this job. Yeah, and the thing people need to remember, Keith Jones is going to be out there wheeling and dealing. That's Danny Briere's job. Um, We know, listen, I don't know who they're going to pick seventh overall. Um, Edward Sale is a name that comes to mind. Um, Could uh, Will Smith fall to seven? I doubt it, but he might, and that's somebody I could see the Flyers taking. But they're out of the elite. And now if Mitchkov falls to them, I would do it. No hesitation because the Flyers aren't going to be good for a long time. I, like, I think anybody who's not going to be good for a long time should consider Mitch. Carter. I have a take. Because what if what if he comes in five years and is as good as Kaprizov? The Wild, it was worth the wait. Now, that was a third-round pick. Much easier to take the risk. But, like, Mitch Kov, if he wasn't signed next year and he was coming to America next year, he'd be the number two pick behind Bedard. He's better than Fantilli. But or he's more skilled than Fantilli. That doesn't mean he will be more productive. You know, Nolan Patrick was more skilled than Andrew Shaw. We know whose career you'd rather have. Um, but you know that doesn't always mean much. But man, Mitchkov is amazing. I, the the Flyers have a lot of work to do. They don't have that S tier prospect anymore. Carter Hart, you could trade him. You know, I know it's hard to trade a young goaltender, but, like, where's Carter Hart going to be when the Flyers are ready to contend again? You don't know. Goalies are so hit and miss. You know, like, guys are good one year. Blackwood was a Team Canada-level goalie two years ago. Now he sucks. <laughs> like, you know, things change with goaltenders. Hellebuck will be really, really good one year. He's a Vesna candidate the next. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobrovsky, look at that guy. I've never seen a more hot and cold goaltender in my whole life because when he's so hot, he's so hot. And when he's so cold, he's so cold. You can't do that if you're the Flyers. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Keith Jones, I've heard he's a magnificent people person. And that's a lot of the times the most important thing when it comes to being the president of hockey operations because you can help lead Danny Briere to the right situations and you could come to conclusions together on draft picks and trades and free agent signings and you know, then you put it on the coach to, you know, come up with good line combinations and defense pairs and all that. So good luck to the Flyers. I'd like to hear the take you were going to say, though. I think Mitchkov falls out of the top 10. It's possible. It's very possible. Do you remember? And I know uh, there's probably no draft I've talked about more with Mr. Tom Mangarelli than the 2019 NHL draft. Obviously, the Devils took Hughes first overall and the Rangers took Capo Caco second overall. That was non-negotiable. That was non-debatable. Now, if that draft were redone, Capo might not even be a, a Caco might not even be a first rounder. Yeah, he would be a first rounder. But if that draft were redone, he wouldn't certainly even go in the top ten. But at the time, those two were non-negotiable. Then you get to the Hawks at third. There were people there that wanted them to take Vasily Podkolzin, but he was in the same boat, signed in Russia for three years or whatever. He slipped to Vancouver at ten. So, you know, the Canucks, they, they got him. He's an okay player for them right now. I don't think he necessarily lived up. I think Mitchkov is better than Pod Colson, but I'm with you. That, that certainly could keep teams away. And then if he falls to a team like, 
I don't know who was a middle of the pack team this year, but they were middle of the pack because of injuries. And like, you could see them being elite again next year. The Pittsburgh Penguins. No, they're not. Yeah. The predators is a really good example. The senators. Ooh, the senators too. That's a good one. You know, a team. Yeah. The wings too. Absolutely. Like a team, a team that's on the rise that could, they could use a prospect like Mitch but they're probably okay waiting for him too because they're on the rise. Like I could see Ottawa and Detroit being in the playoffs next year. If, if Ottawa and Detroit replace the Panthers and the Rangers in the playoffs next year, I wouldn't be surprised. Wouldn't be surprised one bit. And I know the Panthers are on this run, but we've seen teams win the cup and then be out next year based because of roster situations and stuff. And Bobrovsky's hit or miss. Like when I'm not saying they're going to, I would pick them, mm-hmm. but I don't know, man. Mitchkov out of the top 10, that would be interesting. What if he fell to the Hawks at 19? Now, that would be something. I, oh, I would take him with the 19th pick. I think it's the 19th pick now. It is the 19th pick. I, I, I would sign up for the Hawks. I would trade up. They have four second-round picks. If I trade up, though, I'm not trading up for Mitchkov. Why? At 11? Uh, you wouldn't, you I'm wouldn't... Not, I, I, don't, I don't like the fact that he's not going to come over. I don't like that fact. But he will eventually. I know you hope. Kaprizov came over. We hope, and I, I, I don't know. I most of them do. I just think they they don't need him right now. No, but imagine. Okay, imagine it, it's two thousand twenty six. If I'm trading up, I want somebody better. It, there's no one better, more skill. At least right now, I know there will be there. There will be surprises, right? There will be a second round pick who's top ten in the class in scoring like a Jesper Bratt who was a sixth-round pick, or a Debrinket who was a second-round pick. Both of them are top ten in scoring from their draft class. Mitch Koff to St. Louis, just a gut feeling. That would make sense, too. Oh, dude, I would trade 19 and the Rangers' second-round pick for Kane for pick 11 or 12 if Mitch Koff is on the board. No, no question about it. It wouldn't even be a hesitation in my brain. But also, I'm kind of I'm with Tom. I don't, I don't know if he falls quite that far st louis is a really good st louis is a good bet it's not gonna happen but if he fell to the second round then i would use one of the hawks second round picks to draft him well yeah i'm talking about trading a first and a second up to another first to get him (laughs) of course i would do a second but uh, the 19th i don't know they have four they have four second round picks yeah they could trade they could trade two of those to move back into the first for something. I mean, this first round is unreal. The second the Rangers, round is going to be pretty good, too. Yeah, well, but the Rangers' second round pick is in the latter half of it. So, like, if you move pick, what what is that, pick 50-something from the Rangers? If you move that and 19 up to 10 for Mitchkov, ooh, you got Bedard and Mitchkov, the two guys who are probably number one and two in terms of talent in this draft. Like, uh, I don't know. There's definitely part of me could see that an elite team or, you know, the Hawks aren't an elite team yet, but they're going to have Bedard, which will expedite things by a lot. Mm-hmm. A team like that trading up to grab Mitch Cobb if he falls. He's going to be a big story at the draft, I think. 
yeah, Bedar, that'll be fun. The Hawks will draft him, and then in boom, in five minutes, that's over. On to the next team. The Ducks, they take Fantilli. Wow, what a surprise. Okay, at three, the Columbus Blue Jackets take Leo Carlson. Wow, they like Swedish guys anyway. Wow, what a surprise. Then you get to four, and that's when the draft really starts. Where's Mitchkov going to go? Who's going to take Will Smith? Who's taking the defenseman? I forget his name. He has a double last name, like the hyphenated last name, yeah. the top defenseman in the draft. Um, you know, that that's going to be fun. And, you know, this all came from talking about the Flyers, but, <laughs> you know, the Flyers are right in that mix at seven. So Maybe the Flyers get them. Possible. Frank, I know you've been wanting to talk about this. I'll just let you rattle it off. The Toronto Maple Leafs were eliminated from postseason contention in five games by the Florida Panthers. What's your takeaway? I gave the Leafs too much credit. I thought the Panthers, it was going six. But anyway, Kyle Dubas had some interesting comments about the offseason for the Maple Leafs. He, say, he stated nothing is off the table. He would consider anything, citing the Kachuk-Huberto trade. Right there, your eyes light up. Well, Kachuk, who's a guy on the Leafs that's like Kachuk? We talking about Matthews or Marner? Who are we talking about? You look, Matthew, uh, Austin Matthews and William Nylander only have one year left on their contract. Do they resign? It's hard to get rid of those guys when you're – you know, when they're just so good and so talented, would the Leafs really let them go? But with Kyle Dubas stating, you know, there's nothing off the table, kind of red flags go in there and say, wait a second, are they are they gone? Is one of them gone? Is both gone? Or are they both staying? Um, right now, Matt Murray, he's got to go. He's taking up $4.7 million in cap space. Get him off the team. He's gone. Free up that cap space. There's a lot of uncertainty uh, with Matt Murray. So if I'm Kyle Dubas or whoever's going to take over, if he takes a break, no, he's gone. That's an extra $4.7 million you could use elsewhere. Now, you also got O'Reilly, Camp, Achari. They're all unrestricted free agents. What's going to happen with them? You know, the way Dubas is talking is there's going to be a lot of changes, like significant changes. Um, and I think that it needs to be done because the Leafs just don't know how to win in the playoffs. They just They just fall off a cliff. And things need to change because with the amount of talent that they have on their team, they should be a lot better than they are. And just things aren't clicking right now. And, you know, it's nothing against Kyle Dubas. I, I think he's fantastic. But, you know, I agree with him. There needs to be change and nothing is off the table. So I'm very interested to see what happens this offseason, which not saying that Austin Matthews is going to come to the Hawks, but. I feel like there's even a more possibility that that does happen potentially one day because of the comments I heard. Yeah. I mean, he's eligible to sign his extension on July one and you know, he has a year to do so because before he becomes an unrestricted free agent, well, they're not going to lose Austin Matthews for nothing, right? Like they're going to trade him, and then he'll hit free agency if that's the case, or he'll sign an extension and this will all be moot point. If he does that on July 1st, which is very possible. Yeah. Um, man, I never thought signing Tavares would be a bad idea because it was. It just was. It's 11 mil in cap space. He had 80 points. 80 points is awesome if you're Nico Heischer, who's a Selkie Trophy candidate. But it's not awesome if all you provide is offense. It's just average. Like, it's an $8 million player. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, and like a guy like Nico makes seven and a half, but he's again nominated for the Selkie Trophy. John Tavares isn't even like the fifth best defensive forward on his team. But yeah, 80 points is nice. A lot of power play, 
a lot of William Nylander making him look younger. Um, and nobody will take that contract off the books. Nobody's trading for Tavares, so they have to move out somebody else. Do they move out Nylander or Marner? I would not move out Matthews unless you don't or know he's not leaving. But you have to call Austin Matthews and be like, dude, we need to know what you're doing. What are you thinking? Like, it will hurt the Maple Leafs franchise so bad. I think for like years, year, like Kovalchuk leaving the Devils in the same, and uh, a year later after Parisi leaving the Devils for nothing, level of crippling, which is what happened to the Devils. Look how long it took them to get good again. I mean, I legitimately think there's that level of concern in Toronto right now. And like Morgan Riley wants to stay. He doesn't want the band to get broken up. They don't have goaltending. Um, lo- we found out Samsonov was hurt. So like, okay, he had a really good year, but like, you're right. It just, you know, I didn't, ex- you don't expect them to win the cup right after winning the first round series for the first time in that long. Like they didn't even play that well against Tampa though. Three overtime wins on the road. Like, you know, Tampa arguably paid better and just kind of got unlucky and misfortune because of injuries and lack of you know, not lack of depth. It just, it didn't seem like Tampa was all there this year. Like all year long, I thought like the best matchup for the Maple Leafs in the first round is the lightning. And it ended up being the case because they didn't even play that well and still won. Then they played the Florida Panthers who came off this huge, big win over the Bruins and they took them out too. So, you know, it's a little bit of credit to Florida. There's no doubt about that. You know, they were able to get a series win in five without a single goal from Kachuk. I think that speaks to their depth and Matthew Kachuk's ability to not need to score to be effective too. Cause I still think without him, they lose, even though he didn't score, you know, he makes plays, he makes big hits. He gets under the skin of his opponents. He's literally the complete package. Two players had 80 plus points and a hundred plus penalty minutes this season. They were Matthew and Brady Kachuk. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're those types of kids. And as far as the Maple Leafs, I don't know what other hundred point player could be traded. You know, when he talks about a Huberdo for Kachuk type deal, like, you know, I don't I have know. No idea. Does Drysaddle get traded for Matthews or something like that? Like, you know, those are all things that are just crazy to think about. But like, that's the level of trade Kyle real, talking about. It's a real possibility, though. It's yeah, to think about. Or like, would the Maple Leafs be better off with Nugent Hopkins than, um, like Marner? You can argue. You can absolutely – Marner's great. Marner – but uh, elite scoring wingers, they're not quite like elite scoring centers, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are the Devils happier with Heischer and Hughes than the Maple Leafs are with Matthews and Marner? Absolutely. Absolutely. All Every player, Marner and Matthews, are more skilled than Heischer, but he provides something that, like, Nugent Hopkins also provides. Mm-hmm. The, you know, look at the Kings and the Bruins. Um Bergeron and Krejci were more productive than McDavid and Dreisaitl in their playoff careers up to this point, up to this age. And that's because playoffs are just a little bit different. Um, We'll see what the Maple Leafs do, but definitely not easy. And if they're searching for a GM and a coach too on top of it, that's going to be tough. But I think ultimately Dubas and Keefe return. Probably. Yeah, I'm I'm more confident um, in Dubas returning than Keefe. Yeah, but we'll yeah. see. I mean, they might both return, but for if sure. I had to choose one, probably Dubas is like coming back for sure. Yeah, Keith 
he's a good coach, but he made some boneheaded decisions, in my opinion, too. I felt, I felt the same way about Montgomery in the first round. Like, what are you doing starting Allmark in game six? He can't even move. Game six, he can't even move. And, like, Bergeron did more detriment playing hurt than he did, if, if, you know, somebody else who's healthy. I do believe in that. Um, a little annoyed with the Devils, right? Like Hamilton, he played with a big bump on his wrist and he couldn't shoot the puck. That's why they put Luke Hughes on the top pair with him. Well, then take Hamilton out of the lineup and put in Nemich. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? It just makes no sense how guys playing hurt, they get praised. Like, oh, yay, hockey players, woo. But, like, not if you're – not if you at 50% isn't as good as our top prospect at 100%. You know, I understand getting stitches in your face, and if it doesn't affect your play, like, awesome. Hockey player is great. But if it makes you a worse player and, like, other people could help you more, no. Get that out of here. Tired of it. McDavid and the Oilers also out. Probably the second biggest disappointment in the second round. Probably the second – no. The Bruins are the biggest disappointment in the playoffs. And the Rangers are up there, too, but I predicted that easily. Like, Rangers had no chance against the Devils. Um <laughs> But they're up there for the biggest disappointment in the playoffs. What's your takeaway? You know, if you would have asked if they're going to be better last year or this year, you probably would have said this year. And they're actually worse this year. They only went through 12 playoff games last year, 16 playoff games, and into the third round. I mean, at the end of the day, two men in a power play can't beat a team. It's great. You had a historic power play. Fantastic. That, those were their only two goals of game seven were on the power play. But this team needs some more five-on-five -five scoring. I mean, either that or Vegas did a very, very good job at limiting their five-on-five -five opportunities because I, I think I, there's really – I don't even know how to say this. You don't need a lot of change on this team, I wouldn't think. I, I think they're good enough to bring back the same core next year. Like, there don't need to be any major changes, but – there's something got to do about the five on five scoring, because like I said, it's great. You're on the power play, but when you're running into discipline team like Vegas, who doesn't take a lot of penalties. I mean, what do you expect? The big problem for me is I think Stuart Skinner was a bit overrated. Congrats. He was an all-star played great as a rookie. You know, he's only played in 61 games in his NHL career, whatever it is. It's great. He was fantastic. Right. I mean, that's more than anybody would have expected from him. But let's not forget, this was Jack Campbell's team at the beginning of the year and heading into the season. So I just – I think St Stuart Skinner was just, you know, a little bit overrated in the playoffs. And I said that in the Kink series, and not many people talked about it against the Los Angeles Kings because the Oilers put up six or seven goals. So him giving up three or four didn't matter. But then when you're playing against the Vegas Golden Knights, different, completely different team, a more deeper team, a more disciplined team. I mean, yeah, they kind of ran into a brick wall. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, they're going to bring back Stuart Skinner. I, I mean, they'd be stupid not to, you would think. But, I, yeah, you got to figure out something, whether Stuart Skinner moves to a backup, you go out and get a veteran. Because, you know, honestly, imagine this team with, like, a veteran goaltender. I think they would have been a different team. A Marc-Andre Fleury, even. Hell, Jonathan Quick, if they were able to get Quick before he went to the Knights. I, you know, it's just, I think they just need minor changes. There's nothing major that needs to happen. Maybe a few tweaks in the game plan. But, I mean, it just, it's the, I don't know. Yeah. 
In today's NHL, I go into every season thinking that there's a chance that every goalie sucks. Like, because they're just so hit or miss these days. There's no Marty Brodeur playing 15 straight years of elite goalie anymore. Yeah. Like, who hasn't, who hasn't had one rough year in the last five as a goalie? Saros had a down year three years ago. He's been a Vesna caliber goalie last year and this year. Um, Shesterkin is only entering year three of being a full-time starter. He hasn't had a bad year yet, but it's coming. Um, Vasilevsky wasn't all that good this year. Uh, like Vasilevsky wasn't typical Vasilevsky this year. Yeah. Um, Pekka Rene had a couple years where he was like, is Rene losing it? And then he came, comes back and makes it the cop the following year. I could see the Oilers trading for Hellebuck, but it wouldn't shock me if we don't see Vesna Hellebuck on that team. It's just one of those things like I thought Skinner was okay. And I believe vague, like you, you nailed it with the power play five on five stuff. Um, I think they would have beat anybody in the West, not named Vegas. I think they would have killed the stars. The stars love taking penalties. <laughs> you know, they love the Kraken were on the power play a lot. And like Edmonton scores more in that situation. Now Ed, the stars have an elite goalie. So like, that changes things, of course, too. Vegas doesn't have an elite goalie. They have a very good couple goalies. Uh, I think they've used five goalies this year. Um, but, I mean, Edmonton. I would run it back again next year, but like you said, entire summer has to be focused at five-on-five five scoring. Uh-huh. Um, and that includes McDavid and Dreisaitl. They were the only team in the playoffs where every forward had double-digit goals in the regular season. They have depth. I like when people talk about Edmonton needing more depth. I don't agree. I do not agree. They have the depth needed. I would try to retain Ekholm. Darnell Nurse is a really solid defenseman. Evan Bouchard is a power play dog, but you know he's probably a third pair. He's a he reminds me of like a way better version of Eric Gustafson. Eric Gustafson sucked. Like I tried to tell you when he had 50-something points, it's the worst 50 points I've ever seen. But Bouchard has a clap bomb that I think is very valuable on the power play. Um, and he's a first-round pick, like high-end skill. He's got the pedigree. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe another depth defenseman and work on that five-on-five. Five. Maybe look in the offseason. Hey, what guy scored the most goals of any free agent five-on-five five last year? And you don't even play him on the power play. You know, you know like – yeah. A modern day Michael Grabner. Michael Grabner had like 27 goals one year, and one of them was on the power play. Just a solid third or fourth line. Max Domi would be perfect in Edmonton. Don't play him on the power play. Put him on the third line. You're meant to score goals five on five. A guy like that could really go a long way in helping the everyone's five on five game. It'll make McDavid more dangerous. It'll make Dreisaitl more dangerous. I would run it back again if I'm the Oilers. It's a disappointing year, but, you know, it happens. Only one team wins the cup. Um, Frank, rip Kraken. They're out after their second year in the league. They surprised everyone. They weren't competitively bad. They're not a top five pick. They were outstanding all season long. Yeah. And they had four second lines, in my opinion. Like, the, you know, they didn't have any first line. McCann had 40 goals, but what did he have, like 60 points? Mm-hmm. Like McCann, outstanding goal scoring season. He's not Jack Hughes, right? Or Bedard, you know, having a hundred points. You could have forty goals. That's awesome. He he's like Debrinket. Debrinket is like a forty goal scorer that he doesn't make everybody else around him better. Mm-hmm. 
but he could snipe the puck. And, you know, Beniers, I think, can be a guy like that. But all-around solid defensive game, he's going to win the Calder Trophy. They got good goaltending, especially in the playoffs from Grubauer. Martin Jones had a good year. On the back end, a guy like Vince Dunn, Adam Larson, just a really solid cracking team. I don't know if they're going to be this good again next year, but they're going to come in thinking they could prove everybody wrong. Maybe Shane Wright has an outstanding camp after developing back in the OHL this season and playing in the World Juniors and seeing how the Kraken worked in the early part of the season and how great they were at the end might make him a little bit more motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm excited for Shane Wright's future with them. Um, I don't know, Frank. Should be interesting to get Shane Wright back in this uh, lineup. You know, I mean, props to the Kraken, right? They silenced all the doubters, including us. And, you know, game seven was amazing. It was one of the best playoff uh, games of the 2023 playoffs. It was electric. Rupe Hintz's goal, I mean, it was just broke, blew the roof off the place. Uh, But it was a very defensive game and something we weren't, kind of expecting maybe as much as we saw in the previous games. Um, but, you know, the, the Dallas Stars, when they lead after two periods, they're undefeated this year in the postseason. So when it got to that point, you know, the Kraken are trying to play from behind in a game seven, which isn't always easy to do. Interestingly enough, there was a stat that 51% of game sevens are decided by one goal, which just blew my mind. And this one ended up being two to one. So just adds more to the stats, bring it up to like 52% now or whatever the case may be. But, you know, I mean, there was nothing about their season they should be disappointed in. They defeated the reigning Stanley Cup champions in the Colorado Avalanche. Um, and, and I think most importantly, they really grew the game of hockey in Seattle. They really did a good job of getting the fans involved, getting the city of Seattle involved. And, you know, being your second team or being your second year into the league, I mean, that's that's really what you got to do. I mean, it, would it be nice to win a Stanley Cup? Of course, right? That's the goal here. But I think even though they lost, it was a win in their franchise's books. I agree. And I think they're on the path to development. Mm-hmm. I saw a tweet. I can't remember if it was from Wyshynski or one of these other big Jay journos. If the Edmonton Oilers or Toronto Maple Leafs folded and restarted from scratch as an expansion team with an expansion draft, they would have a way better chance to win the Stanley Cup. And, like, I started thinking about it. I was like, huh, why don't teams just keep their stars and try to make a small trade for one player from every team? (laughs) (laughs) I know that sounds – maybe not every team, but, like, try to mimic the Golden Knights roster. You know, like, what, what is it that makes Vegas so good? They well now they signed Petrangelo, they traded for Stone, they traded for Eichel. All but right. in that first year, what made them so good? It was Marchessault, who was on Tampa Bay and Florida's second line. It was Wild Bill, who scored six goals for Columbus the year before. It was Riley Smith, who was traded to the Bruins for Tyler Sagan and like had an okay year there, 18 goals or whatever, but then mm-hmm. you know, just a solid second liner. Yeah. Um, you know, Shea Theodore. You could make a trade for a guy like Shea Theodore if you're mm-hmm. one of these teams. You know, I don't know. I just think you can model yourself after the expansion franchises just a tad, and you might find yourself having a little bit more success. It's a copycat league. Every league is a copycat league. Um, Shout out to the Kraken. You know, it took them the extra year. They were bad the one year. They got Shane right out of it, and now they're ready to compete. And I think they will. They'll have top 10 odds to win the Stanley Cup next year, I think. You know, know, the bookies might be a little anti-Kraken, 
because of the fact that they were a surprise good team this year and they weren't like they weren't a high high end good team but they overperformed in the playoffs mm-hmm. um like i think every team left they'll have higher odds to win the stanley cup next year to start the year the devils probably will the rangers probably will the bruins probably will but like the kraken will be up there so good for them speaking of the devils bye bye sorry vp yeah, that was tough. It was a very, very fun year. It was probably my favorite year enjoying one of my favorite teams in my entire life because they I didn't think they'd be good. No. I know I predicted them to make the playoffs at the beginning of the year, but I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. You know, I was I remember I said, you know what, Frank? Screw it. Uh-huh. Devils. That's how I did it. I didn't mean it. I was wrong. They were so bad for so long, and they came into this year, and they started the season 0-2. And then in game three, they went down 2 to nothing to the Anaheim Ducks, and they crawled out of that hole and won the game in regulation, 3-2. to And from that moment on, things changed. Oh, they were like 2-2, two and two, and then they got their asses kicked by Washington. <laughs> Ovechkin scored on the power play. They got killed like six to two. And then they were like, you know what? We're done with this crap. We're done with this crap, man. We're going to win 13 in a row. And they proceeded to win 13 games in a row. And they ended November with one of the best records in the NHL. And they carried it all the way to the end of the regular season where they had the third best record. It's crazy. And it took one of the two teams with a better record than them to knock them out of the playoffs after winning a first-round series against the New York Rangers. This season was everything I could have ever asked for and more. I saw them three times in person this year, once at the Rock, once at Madison Square Garden, and once at the United Center. And, you know, it was just a glorious season. It was as much fun as I've ever had. And now, you know, you saw Luke Hughes make his debut. Jack Hughes took a step. He's a superstar. Nico Heischer took a step. He's a superstar. You wanted 80 points from Nico. You got it. You mm-hmm. wanted 100 points from Jack. You got it. He had 99, but you know what? I Like, he's a 100-point player. Mm-hmm. And he's 21. Like, he'll probably be a 110-point player for most of his career. Um, you know, Nemich developed well in the AHL. They got good goaltending. Hamilton lived up to his contract. Like Brat had a, he put it together a second straight 70 point season. Just really good. They traded for Timo Meyer. Holy shit. Like it was just fun. So I have no complaints. It was sad the night it happened. You know, it was an overtime. Like when you get, when you get eliminated in overtime, it's like you're alive, you're alive, you're alive, dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you get sniped. It's like you're running across the field in Call of Duty and you get picked off. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you're alive, you know, because if you if that next shot of yours goes in, boom, game six at the rock, what sports game seven? But you know, freaking Jesper Fast. You know, if you stinky New York Rangers fans out there, you had Jesper Fast. You had Brady Shea. But no, you needed Truba. You needed to spend $9 million on Truba. You needed Patrick Kane. You needed Vladimir <laughs> Tarasenko. This isn't the Olympics. You build a team. And Jesper Fast at 4 mil would have been so much better for the New York Rangers than Patrick Kane or Vladimir Tarasenko at 1,000 mil 
You know what I'm saying? So credit to the Carolina Hurricanes. They deserve all the props. They're a better team this year. I hope this is the last year that Carolina is the better team, you know, because they were better. They had one more point, and you had one more point, you had one more point. And they showed their playoff experience in the postseason. Brent Burns came to play. I mean, we'll get to them when we get to the conference finals conversation, but I was always going to go into a little bit more depth on the Devils series. That's just natural. But, I mean, what a series, what a year, what a team. Let's run it back next year. Luke Hughes will be better. Jack Hughes will be better. Um, And that's saying something because they were really, really awesome this year. Hey, and don't forget it was a historic improvement from last year. Mm -hmm. So, The greatest improvement in the history of the NHL from year to year. Yep. It it is. It was unbelievable, you know. And I think there's a lot of, you know, question marks going into next season. Um What's going to happen with Lindy Ruff? Is he going to stick around? Timo Meyer, Jesper Bratt. Is Bratt gone? I love Bratt on the Devils. I think he's part of the glue that holds everything together, so I would love to see him stay with the Devils, but you know, you never know. Then he got training camp with guys like uh, Nolan Foote, Alexander Holtz, Nemich, you know. These are guys that are going to be competing to get on this talented roster and make the Devils even better. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever heard of Larry Brook, who writes for the New York Post. Oh, yeah. Um, he kind of agrees what I what I've been saying is the Devils need a goaltender. They really do. You know, Schmidt was there, but he wasn't the answer against the Carolina Hurricanes. I think you sign Schmidt and Schmidt plays as, as a backup. And, you know, he's already great as a starter. He was great in the playoffs. So let's, you know, I, I wouldn't imagine what he'd turn out to be if he was a backup to maybe a veteran. You mentioned Hellebuck for the Oilers, but why not Hellebuck going to the, the Devils? I mean, he, he, he made a perfect point. You need a goaltender to take you from contender to champion. And I really think that's one of the biggest things that the Devils are missing right now. If they had better goaltending, I think that maybe they could have made, you know, gave the Carolina Hurricanes a run for their money. But the Carolina Hurricanes, I've been saying it all season, they are they're so good. This team is unbelievable. This is an unbelievable team. That's why I have them winning the Stanley Cup in our bracket. Um they're just they are they're fantastic and you know nothing no shame in the devils they weren't supposed to be this good this year so they accomplished a lot and i think that they got a lot of experience under their belt this was good for them in a way you know so every team's got to pay their dues and you know the devils are right there and they'll, they'll be right back up there in the metro next year so i don't think you got anything to worry about no i think they could win the metro next year i do i almost won it this year by accident um so. I'm I'm trying to think. Hellebuck would be awesome. I he's probably the only like super elite option this year. Vanacek, two goalies in Devils history have ever won 30 games in a season. Vanacek and Broder. Like <laughs> he had a really good year. He just he, he, he was goaltender. he was bad with Washington in the playoffs. So maybe like you run it back with Vanacek, Schmid and a new guy. And then Vanacek doesn't touch the playoffs. You can win in the regular season with yeah. Vanacek and Schmidt. You absolutely can. They Schmidt did this. Be year. the backup. He he has to be the backup. Yeah, it's time. I mean, and it's they time. drafted they drafted the second best goalie in the draft last year, Tyler Brennan. Um. So we'll see what becomes of his career. He's a long way away, obviously. But I mean, you never know. Do you ever think though? Take yourself back to like being in high school. The Devils are a goaltender away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just not. They were always 
a center away or a winger away. You know, they were never a defenseman or a goalie yeah. away. That's just it's just how much the NHL in general has changed. But they really are. They, the they need a goaltender. They really do. Yeah, and, and I'm glad somebody who's more notable than me agrees with me, and he makes the same point. That now like, let me ask you this though: What about like Kemper? And you know the fact that Vegas is in the conference finals with Aiden Hill. Like, I just, I do think there's a world. I'm not saying I disagree with you. I would go get a goalie if I could. But I do think there could be a world where Jack Hughes, he sure all of them in their prime could lift a goal, a medium goalie. They could, right? But Aiden Hill didn't get Vegas to this point. Brossois kind of took him through Winnipeg. And they were chanting, he's a backup. Right. Bah, 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 That's bah, fine. But, I mean, you look at the season as a whole, too, in Logan Thompson. Kind of got there, was there for Vegas too. Former devil. So I think, I think Hellebuck would be a perfect fit. A Vezina type goaltender, a veteran on the team. That's what you need. I mean, you could get veterans who are, you know, Darcy Kemper. I wouldn't love it for the Devils, but I think you need the veteran. Get him, yeah, Flurry. Get a Hellebuck. Only- the only reason I brought up Kemper was because he won the cup in Colorado. Because like Prime McKinnon, Prime Ranton, and after all those years of paying their dues, yeah, they 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 elevated the goaltender. I see yeah. a world where that happens for the Devils. I just not with the players as young as they are right now. So, but Hellebuck, I, I worry he's not as good. Like I, every time some of these goalies they switch teams and whatnot, and like it's just not the same. It's worse. It's worth a risk, though. I think. I think so too, because it probably wouldn't cost all that much too. To trade for Hellebuck, you probably you could probably move Bratt's rights because he's an unrestricted free agent. You could or a restricted free agent. I mean, you could trade his rights, a second round pick, and Nolan Foot. Let's mm-hmm. say. For Hellebucks, a trade package, something along those lines. So we'll see what happens with the Devils today. Tom Fitzgerald said, we don't have a first round pick anymore, but that could change at any time. So that makes me wonder if they say, hey, Brat, you know, we have Timo Meyer. If you don't want to take less money than Jack Hughes, then so long because you're not worth. He, Jasper Brat deserves a seven million dollar contract, not a penny more. Mm-hmm. And I would even go up to eight with the assumption that he could probably get to 80 points. Mm-hmm. He was in the mid seventies this year. Um, and he's a sixth round pick, like all credit to Jesper Brack, great player, but he's not Jack Hughes. He's not even Nico. He mm-hmm. um, I would probably rather Timo Meyer just cause Timo Meyer could pump the puck in the net. Jesper Bratt's more of a playmaker and they have Hughes and Heesher who are also more of playmakers. But nah, we learned this year though, that Jack Hughes is hell of a shooter as well. He's more of the complete package, but I mean, I like where they're going. Hughes, yeah. Luke Hughes was awesome in game five. He had the second most ice on the Devils, only to John Marino, and he was playing on the top pair with Hamilton and great on the power play. Um, he can eat big minutes, and next year it's only going to be better because he'll be more prepared and long off season of training for the NHL. So it's going to be fun to watch. Can't wait. I, I literally already can't wait for the next Devil season. Oh, yeah. Um, probably what? How many days would you say? 180, 190, no, something like that. Less than that. You think less, less than that, probably? Well, five. It's five. It's five months away. Less than five months, and five times thirty is one fifty. So probably in the one forties. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Because you know what? That's true. Not long after the Stanley Cup is awarded, 
is when we get under a hundred days yeah. and they start using jersey numbers so to like, like count down the days. Forty-ish. Yeah. Okay. Not One forty-ish. Because we also don't know the exact day. It could be October third. Right. It could be October tenth. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's roughly in there. Good call. That makes me feel better. Good. Not that I'm rushing summer. I'm very much looking forward to a little break and taking my brain <laughs> off of that. And I'll be ready to rock with the Hughes brothers by October. I'll be well rested. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brain still kind of like is processing what happened in the playoffs. And I know we got two more series, but in terms of the devils, I still haven't fully accepted that they're gone. <laughs> like it still hasn't even I I, Monday night would have been game seven against Carolina. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> damn it. But you know, we'll see what happens. And I didn't write this down, Frank, but it ha- it broke after I sent you the sheet. And you know, if some news breaks after I send you the sheet, it's late as shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Got that the, right. Yeah, the Arizona. I had no excuse yesterday. I went to a uh, uh, kid baseball game yesterday. Otherwise, I really I didn't think about the fact that there was no hockey. So like I could have had the sheet <laughs> done at nine in the morning, um, but I didn't. Um, during the playoffs, though, I think the sheet is very easy to predict. If I'm you, if not I'm this you. first period though. I no, not this for, but like, you know, we're talking yeah, Carolina, right. Florida, you know, we're talking Vegas, Dallas, the Con Smythe trophy. Yeah. You knew about a certain video game I'm going to bring up a thousand times. Um, by the way, <laughs> um, but yeah, bye bye devils. Oh no, I was going to, I was already off that. After I sent you the sheet, we learned that in Arizona, the, I don't know if it's the mayor or like the board. The people of Tempe voted no to the development of a building. Hockey story of the week. Oh, well, all right. It could just be your favorite hockey. That's fine. But it's, it's like huge enough news that it needs to be talked about. The city. Why is that your fit? should be your least favorite hockey story of the week. I, I never like the favorite hockey story is just like something I feel like that needs to be brought up. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was, I guess. Yeah. The city of Tempe said no to building a state-of-the-art building for the Arizona Coyotes. It's a shame. After getting booted out of Glendale, and now they were, they're playing at Mullet Arena. It came out today that they are locked into Mullet Arena for next year now. Um, they're not moving this offseason. But I would say as of right now, as a result of this news, the voters saying no to a building being built in Tempe for the Arizona Coyotes. And it would have been for other things too. There were probably anti-sports people who voted no. I don't care about hockey. (laughs) Well, freaking, you know, your favorite country artist would have came and played there too. Or your favorite rock band would have came and played there too. Just dumb, dumb people. Um, But I would say right now it's 50-50. I legitimately believe with my knowledge and what I've been told and what I've read that we are 50-50 on whether or not the Arizona Coyotes remain in Arizona. They I think will not... they're gone. You think they're gone? I think that's more than 50%. I think they're gone. <laughs> go ahead with your analysis. I think they – I mean, there's a possibility they go to Atlanta. I mean, that would be the only place I think. I, I don't know where else they would go. I, don't, I, I don't think, think there's one I don't think they're going lock. to Canada. You think they're going to Canada? No. Where? Who else? What's a lock? I, like they're not. I don't think they're going to Atlanta because then you would have to realign, um, because of the conferences. You, like you would have to shove 
you would have to shove someone from the east back to the west, like Detroit or Columbus or something. Um, But I I never understood Detroit being in the Western Conference in the Eastern time zone, though. That was always wild to me. Same thing with Columbus. Um, I guess there are a couple. But the Bulls are in the east and the hockey. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. So, I don't know. I have no idea. But I got some analysis, though. The White Sox are in the same division as the Tigers and Guardians, too, who are also in the East. So, I guess guess that is kind of a flawed logic. But I think the frontrunner is Houston. They have a building. They have an owner. They have everything. They're like a guy willing to buy. And then I think uh, there are two dark horses. Um, Babcock to the Houston Coyotes. (laughs) That'd be funny. Um, A dark horse is Salt Lake City. The owner already tweeted that they're, it's in motion to try and get them to move there to where the Jazz play. Oh. So I do think that's a possibility. I think Atlanta gets a team, but it's expansion. Okay. I think we expand to 34 teams. Atlanta's one it's of them. It's a lot of teams. It's a lot of teams. Atlanta will be one of them. I don't know if they'll be the Thrashers or whatnot. They certainly won't be the Flames. Um, but I would probably be the Thrashers, I would guess. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Quebec Nordiques came back or if the my vote, the Hartford Whalers, I think Milwaukee could get a team. Milwaukee, Milwaukee's on my Mount Rushmore of possible destinations for the Coyotes. I would do um, Houston, Salt Lake City, Kansas City, Milwaukee as my possible destinations for the Coyotes if they move. Um, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I love the Coyotes in Arizona. I think it's so great for hockey. Austin Matthews doesn't exist if there's no Arizona Coyotes. Uh, ASU becoming like an elite hockey program doesn't happen without the Coyotes. Um, I hope they stay so bad. I, like I know it'd be exciting, like there'd be a new team, but it really, really it wouldn't, because like it'd just be the same franchise. Um, you know, it's not like an expansion team where it's all new players and all new like management. Like no, it'd be, it would be freaking Kate Clayton Keller and you know all those guys moving up to whatever town to play. Um, I think Arizona has a great sports scene. And if done right, hockey can join the Cardinals and the Diamondbacks, who are so beloved, and the Denver Nuggets. I mean, look at them. Look at them. You know, and I know Denver's in Colorado, but, like, you know, I just, you know, those southwest states could use a hockey team. And I don't know. I don't know. Oh, the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. they're, They're always outstanding. You know, sports can thrive in Arizona and the Coyotes could do it right. They just their ownership is so dumb. It was going to be so nice booted. too. the arena. I know you saw you saw the, the blueprint. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So Not cool. only that, but like you remove a landfill that's next to Tempe and then it would have been a 16,000 seat arena, a practice rink, two hotels, retail shops, 1600 apartments, a theater and even a sports book. And you vote no on that. And it's just. It's stupid. It was dumb. I don't know why you would vote no on that. Maybe I'm different because I like hockey, but obviously people in Arizona feel differently. So it's a shame because the building was going to be beautiful. Palm trees leading up to the arena. Yeah. Yeah, that that would be sick. Um, There's there's no doubt about it. I wish they would stay. Um, I'm sorry I took your favorite hockey story of the week. It's all right. And you know what? Unless you got one, you could 
I mean, my I was just going to talk about the um, the junior leagues, mm-hmm. you know, the OHL and all that. But I actually I'm out of touch on the scores. I know last night I saw it on NHL Network. The Quebec Ramparts won against the Halifax Mooseheads in overtime. But we'll have a better update for you on what's going on in the OHL playoffs for the Memorial Cup later on. Um, but obviously, I'm very like excited about the Memorial Cup. Mm-hmm. Really, the only way to watch it. Like they don't have every game from the QMJHL or whatnot on NHL Network. It's like mm-hmm. only certain ones, so it's kind of hard to follow unless you're like actively looking for it on Twitter. And I wish that's something American hockey lags on a little bit is getting junior hockey to the fans because like a lot of those kids are going to play in the NHL, some of them at least. So, but oh, and I love the Halifax Mooseheads jerseys. They're so Christmassy. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know it is what it is. Hopefully. I want to find – I think there is a package where you can, like, watch all the juniors, I'm the sure. OHL TV or something. I'm going to look into that because I just – I want more. I'm My love for hockey is insatiable, and I could get more out of it. So looking forward Very to good. seeing how the Memorial Cup goes. Frank, it was a long first period, dude. It was very long. Not a breath. It's a lot of talking. It is a, a lot, lot of information. Breath. A lot of smart analysis, though, on some of the big stories in the NHL. Frank, let's talk about the conference finals. Period number two. Welcome to period two. Frank, your Carolina Hurricanes are taking on the Florida Panthers. Florida Panthers surprising. Carolina Panthers not so surprising. Panthers. What the fuck? Why would I say? Did Carolina I say Panthers. Panthers? Did I say thing. Panthers the whole it's time? It's a real thing. Did I say Panthers the whole time? You said Panthers. Yeah. Did I say Hurricanes, though, to start? I don't think so. I meant Hurricanes, though. Like I, I know, know meant. I know the difference between my Carolina pro sports organizations. Well, I know what you meant, but you didn't say it. Yeah, well, Carolina Hurricanes against the Florida Panthers in the Eastern Conference Finals. That was not no Florida surprising. Carolina's not. And then in the West, you got the Vegas Golden Knights against the Dallas Stars. The first, third, fourth, and seventh. Southernmost teams in the NHL are in the conference finals. Pretty crazy. It's a lot of football it's towns. It's interesting. It's a lot of football towns playing in the conference finals yeah. for the NHL. Um, Frank, we'll start with Carolina versus Florida. Talk about the forward, the D, the goalies, whatever it is you want to talk about. Um, break it down. Well, you know, on the, the, the offensive side of things, the Panthers have the best offensive player of either team in Kachuk. However, it's so close. The depth, I think I lean towards a little more with Carolina. Ajo, Nikas, Jarvis, Tervainen. But, I mean, the Panthers as well. Barkov, Verhage, Reinhardt, Bennett. I mean, it, it's pretty close. And the way that those depth players are performing on Florida make it a scary thing. Um, Florida has the better power play on paper, but I wouldn't count out the Hurricanes whatsoever. You want me to go through everything? Defense, goaltender, just the whole yeah, thing? Yeah, whatever you got. All right, well, on the defensive side of things, I think this is a huge swing in favor of Carolina. Carolina, I mean, their entire game is built around defense. We thought the Devils-Carolina series was going to be a very defensive series, and some games it really wasn't for the first you know, few games of the series. But, oh, man, I think this is also the best defense that the Carolina 
no. See, I'm going to say the Panthers, Carolina Panthers. See what <laughs> you did to me? No, Skyler's telling you to call them the Carolina Tigers. This is the best defense that the Panthers will run into. It's a better defense than Toronto. It's a better defense than the Bruins. This defense for the Carolina Hurricanes is a real deal. You as a Devils fan saw it firsthand. Um, I mean, you got guys like Brent Burns, Slavin, Skagey, Pesci, Ghost, Chatfield. I mean, that that's a pretty good six right there. And when you look and, – and why I say, like I said earlier, why you don't count the Hurricanes' power playout is because the Panthers' penalty kills at 65.8% in the playoffs, which is terrible. That is a stinky, stinky penalty kill. And if you're going to give a team that has pretty good depth like the Carolina Hurricanes uh, chances on the power play and you can't stop it, uh, that that's a big problem. And interestingly enough, um, the I thought the Carolina Hurricanes had one of the best um, penalty kills, but I could be wrong. No, they have a pretty good penalty kill. They, have a pretty they, good- they smothered the Devils. Like... They outscored the Devils seven to two on the penalty kill this season. Seven shorthanded goals in the regular season and playoffs combined. I don't know how that applied to everybody else, but the Devils have a very aggressive power play, like where they work the umbrella and feed Jack Hughes to make either a shot decision or a pass decision. Carolina smothered it, unlike any team in the regular season this year. A big key to them winning that series. There's there's one team I'm thinking of that's a little bit better, but um. Yeah, and you know the Panthers. You got Josh Mahura or Mura, whatever, on the Panthers. Yeah, dude, he, he, dude they are called. Oh no! You now we're really screwing it up. Uh oh! I almost corrected you and said, "Dude, they're called the Hurricanes," but the team they're playing against is called the Panthers. I'm yeah. dead. I'm dead. You know uh, how I kept saying the Carolina Panthers. Oh, I know. Well, they're playing the Florida Panthers. That didn't even dawn on me. Either. Well, yeah, I knew that you didn't. You didn't think <laughs> yeah, that? Dude, that didn't even click in my head either. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he's he doesn't play a lot of minutes. He's like averaging eleven minutes per game. So, that's where the depth kind of filters. Like, is not as much depth as there is with the Hurricanes. You know, Radko Gudis. He can't have a temper, take some dumb penalties here and there. You know how that works out. So, I give the defensive edge uh, to the. Carolina Hurricanes, and then the goaltending. Sergey Bobrovsky looks like he's a Vezina goaltender again, um, you know. But I do think Anderson and Ranta is the best uh, goalie duo that's been left in the playoffs. I thought that through the the second round or the beginning of the second round as well. You know, Anderson right now is five and zero. Oh. I mean, that's tough. I can't like that is tough to play against this Carolina Hurricanes team. When you have good defense and good goaltending, they're going to be tough to to beat. Um, I'm just, I'm going to give the edge obviously to the Hurricanes in this series, just because is Bob going to be able to live up to what he's been doing? Is he going to be play the way he's been playing? I don't know. I'm taking the Carolina Hurricanes in five games. Wow, in five. I think the true colors of the Panthers are going to show a little bit here. I, I really do. That's that's how high up I am on Carolina. I hate this because I picked Carolina too. I like I wrote. I don't believe in my predictions because I don't trust either of them. I could see me being wrong on both. And Shorts guy asked me for my predictions because the primetime radio crew is coming out with them today or tomorrow, uh-huh. and mine had to be on there, and I had to give them. And I'm going to give the same ones I gave them so I don't look like a fraud. Uh-huh. But I mean. I said the same thing about Florida in two straight series, and I'm thinking to myself, who the fuck am I 
to sit here and pick against Florida after they just shoved it up my hoop two straight series. And, like, I know Carolina's good. They're as good as the Leafs. They're as good as the Bruins. Like, I, like, I just don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that the Florida Panthers can win this series. I'm picking Carolina to win in six. It's not out of the realm of possibility by any means. But I'm not confident about either of my picks. None. Neither of them. <laughs> I wouldn't bet I wouldn't bet fake monopoly money on either of these series. None of them. I'd rather put a parlay on three guys hitting a home run in baseball wow. than betting on either of these series. I'm not I'm not touching either of them. Maybe an anytime goal scorer. You know, those are fun. Shout out Jake and Jordan Eberly on Friday night. Dinner paid for. Um, oh, that's a story for off camera that I can't wait to tell you. Um, <laughs> gambling stories with the boys are the best. Oh, <laughs> like when you and Dylan bet the trout home run, <laughs> it's that level. It's that level of story, if not better. Okay. Um, but I'm not touching this. I'm not touching this stories on the gambling level. All right, fine. I'll tell it on it. They're, they're the people that deserve to hear it. We're at timeout. And Jake bets. Jake, for those of you who don't know, a good friend of mine. He bets Jordan Eberly next goal score. Doesn't score. He bets Jordan Eberly next goal score. Doesn't score. Okay, we're we're midway through the third period now. Dylan goes, Jake, let me see your phone. I'll pick you a new player. <laughs> he looks at Dylan's phone and goes, Ryan Donato. He hands Jake back the phone. Jake says, okay, putting money in on Donato. Ne next goal scorer. Ryan Donato does not touch the ice for the rest of the third period. Dave Haxtall is running two lines yeah. over and over again to end the third period. Like the two lines that are good at scoring and also good at checking. And Eberly's out there. And, you know, when you switch your goal score, you don't want the guy you had been betting to score now, right? <laughs> he takes a shot at the empty net, and it misses by two inches. Okay, icing, TV timeout. Joey goes to the bathroom. Jake shows me his phone, and he showed me that he actually said F you, Dylan, and bet Eberly instead of um, Donato. And my jaw hit the floor because the what he would have won had that puck went in the empty net had a comma in it. <laughs> and then at the end of the third period, Eberly puts one in the empty net and we stand up and jump for joy around timeout. There were probably other people in the freaking building going, these freaking weirdos. <laughs> it was just, it was one of my all-time favorite gambling moments that I've ever been a do? part of. He was stunned. And then guess what? Eberly puts it in the empty net. The game's over. The Kraken are going to win. Here comes Donato to kill the last 30 <laughs> seconds of the game. <laughs> it's actually really funny. It was one of the great gambling stories in the history of my life. That's I actually love it. really good. I love it. And I had a feeling I would tell the story either on Breaking Bets or at some point in the show. But, man, that was fun. That was fun, but not doing anything like that when it comes to Carolina and Florida or Vegas, Dallas. But Frank, that's my prediction for the series. I think Carolina is a touch deeper. Well, the best play, I say? said Carolina and six. Oh, okay. Um, 
I it will make me feel better about the Devils losing to them if they went on to win the cup, certainly. But um I do think Florida versus Vegas in the Stanley Cup final would be more fun because then a team would be winning the Stanley Cup for the first time ever. For the first time since it was happened in back to back years. Or no. No, that wasn't their first cup ever. It was the Blues' first cup ever, right? Yeah, Blues won it for the first time. And Washington. Mm-hmm. So back-to-back years of two first cups. I like when that happens, when a franchise wins the cup for the first time. That would be that would be a fun storyline for me. I know that doesn't apply to everyone, but it would be a fun storyline for me. But I'm picking Carolina in six. I just think even without Svechnikov, Pacioretty, and um, Tara Vina, that's like 100 mm-hmm. goals missing from their lineup. We've seen Nietzsche stand up. Mm-hmm. We've seen seen this Martinuk who was on waivers in October. He had 10 points in the Devils series. I mean, just an absolute menace to the entire state of New Jersey. Um, you know, I love Brent Burns' game in the second round, right? Like, he has that mm-hmm. shot that finds its way through traffic. He's not as mobile as he once was back with the Sharks, but, like, he's still got that offensive instinct that every team likes to have on the back end. Slavin and Pesci and guys like that are just absolute dudes. And Freddie Anderson is a Conn Smythe. I know we're going to talk about that in a minute, but he's top 10 in the Conn Smythe trophy voting right now. And if Carolina makes it to the Stanley cup final, he probably drops from top 10 to top five if he plays Mm -hmm. well in this series. So like, I don't know. I just like the makeup of Carolina right now. Matthew Kachuk is the best player on either team. I don't think anybody's debating that. Um, That's what I said. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. But you know, in Florida, Verhage and you know, um, who's the other 40 goal scorer that they had? I know um, Lundell has been outstanding and Bob. Not, wow. Not Bennett, right? No, not Bennett, but Bennett's been really good too. I think for Hagee was the one who had 40 goals, but like, I think he did. Yeah. Yeah, he did. And you know, it's just a solid team as well. And I like their defense with Ekblad, you know, and Gudis has just been an absolute warrior in these playoffs when they scored the game winning OTGWG against the Leafs. He gets in walls face and screams like a menace. You know, it's just been fun to watch Florida, but you know, I have no confidence in this pick, but that's my, you know, kind of mini breakdown of the two teams. I like it. I mean, uh, it should be interesting. I think Florida's true colors come out and uh, we shall see. Yep. And then the series that I have been assigned for puckpros.com, I will be covering the Vegas Golden Knights versus Dallas Stars series. I will be writing on each and every game, previewing (laughs) each and every game. This is a tough one. This is a battle of the meat. This is a big meaty series. You like meat? Watch the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Dallas Stars. This is the series that is kind of like what hockey was. The moment the fans have all been waiting for. Yeah, literally. And Frankie's girlfriend writes for the Dallas Stars, blackoutdallas.com, and he himself is a self-proclaimed Vegas Golden Knights appreciator. We'll see if he sticks true to his guns or if he, you know, kind of flip-flops and makes people laugh at him a little bit for flip-flopping after all this time. Frank, I'll award you the floor. All right. Well, let's break it down starting from the top. Started from the bottom. Now we're here. The offense is very tight on both sides in terms of who has the edge. On one side, you got Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, Marcia Sol, Chandler Stevenson. On the other side, Rupe Hintz, Jason Robertson, who hasn't been that great, but Nonetheless, he's still there. Joe Pavelski, Max Domi, Jamie Ben, even Tyler Sagan. And t- Jamie Ben and Ty- Tyler Sagan has had a resurgence this year. And, and, and even in the postseason, you know, Tyler Sagan a little stinky during the regular season, but not too shabby in the postseason. And uh, 
that Max Domi pickup definitely looking good for their offense. Now with the Vegas or now with the Edmonton Oilers out of the picture, Dallas Stars have the best remaining power play in the postseason, thirty one point seven percent. But like we saw with the Edmonton Oilers, Vegas very disciplined team. They know how to play. Discipline. So this this is not their first rodeo against a team with a great power power play. Um, what the Knights do have that the Edmonton Oilers lacked is five on five scoring. They're out. They're outscoring their opponents on five on five, 30 to 15. That's 66%. Um, I think the edge goes in my eyes. Ah, it's so close. I don't even know who has the edge offensively. It, it might be a tie. I mean, I would say Dallas. I think Dallas slightly, maybe. Dallas has know. more. Dallas has more. Dallas like, has flashy. Rupert. They have more flashy skill. They don't. They might not have more offensive production, but I think the ceiling is higher offensively due to the high it's, end it's skill. By, it's by the slimmest of margins. Yes, it really Pat is. Eichel's fucking now, sick. now on defense, um, man, the Stars have allowed the fewest expected goals per sixty minutes, two point one nine. Frankie That's, busting out the advanced stats. That is unbelievable. Who even are you? It's unbelievable. I had to include it because I just couldn't believe it. Um, Miro Heiskinen analytics, Frank analytic bean number bean Miro Heiskinen. That's a man that could shut you down and just score at will if he needed to, uh, if he needed to, Oh man, it's, it's this defense. I mean, the, the Dallas stars also have the veteran presence Suter, Lindell Miller. They got young studs, Harley and Hanley, very deep blue line, right? On Vegas, you got Petrangelo, Martinez, McNabb, Theodore. Vegas D-men, a lot more aggressive. They play a lot more aggressive than the Dallas Stars D-men do. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Um, Petrangelo, White Cloud, Haig, they all have double-digit penalties. So that could come in. That that could be bad when it comes to the Dallas power play. But if they could find a way to be disciplined, I don't know. I think the edge goes to Dallas in terms of defense as well. I like uh, Dallas's defense a lot better. Um However, you get to the goaltending, the clear edge goes to Dallas. Jake Ottinger is better than Eden Hill, better than Brossois, better than Logan Thompson. Um, but Aiden Hill, you know, he's he's been playing great for what we've seen so far. Nothing wrong with his gameplay, nothing to knock him on, really. Just don't necessarily trust him as much as I would Brossois uh, Thompson. Now, if Hill is in net, you never know what's going to happen. Now, there is a chance Logan Thompson returns for this series. There is a chance. We assume Brossois will probably also make a return in this series. Um, but at the end of the day, the edge goes to Dallas in terms of that. I do think the Dallas Stars have the edge in basically every category. My prediction is the Vegas Golden Knights to win the series in seven games. I had them going to the Cup before the season to play the Carolina Hurricanes. That was my prediction. The predictions looking great. I would love to have correctly chosen the two teams to meet in the Stanley Cup, and we're one series on both sides of the conferences away from doing that. The Vegas Golden Knights to win in seven games. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I thought they were going to make it to the Cup or right before the playoffs started. There's no reason to change my mind right now. They're one, they're one series away from doing that, so I'm going to stick with my guns. Vegas and Carolina in the Stanley Cup. Are you sleeping on the couch tonight? <laughs> you know, 
she understands. She understands where I come from, right? You know? Um, I say you get the couch. I mean, that, it's up to her. So You'd be getting the freaking couch. Now, I could be wrong. Because I, in all honesty, I do think Dallas has the second best odds of winning the Cup. I think they have more of a chance of winning the Cup than Vegas do. I just think that Vegas is going to win the series. I also picked Vegas in seven, so I don't disagree with you. Um, I do think it's very possible Dallas wins. I would love to be wrong. It'd be funny um, because you would have to hear it, Um, which, you know, always warms my heart. (laughs) Um, I, okay. I think he's on the couch. Miro Heiskanen is the best defenseman on either team. Like probably by a landslide, but I think I, I like Petrangelo's overall group with him probably more than Dallas's. Like I don't know, it's it's like it's Heiskanen, it's Essa Lindell, it's, it's Ryan. Very Sanders. hard season or series. Yeah, I it's I just hard. I think overall Vegas has the better defense core, but Miro Heiskanen elevates everyone. So that's very hard to uh, that's very hard to kind of project between the forwards. Rupe Hints is one point behind McDavid for the lead in the playoffs, and guess what? Yeah. McDavid's out. So, Rupe Hintz will likely lead the postseason in points if Dallas wins this series. Um, Jason Robertson, something's wrong with him. I know he has like 12 points. He's collected a couple secondhand assists mm-hmm. or secondary assists and whatnot. It just doesn't seem like he's the dominant Jason Robinson that Robertson that he was all season long. And that's somewhat of an issue, but you never know. Guys go cold the series, warm a series. Mm-hmm. Um, Halla was the devil's best player, and he didn't have a point in the second round. Like, you know, the ebbs and flows um, for everyone, including the stars. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Joe Pavelski, Jamie Benn, and Tyler Sagan, they're the elder skatesmen on the team. Mm-hmm. And they've had good playoffs. Um, Jake Ottinger, he's been pulled twice. He's not in the Conn Smythe Trophy mix as of right now. There's still time to recover, but he's an elite goalie, and we all know it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the times he got pulled were an anomaly, and against this Vegas team, he probably will be a little bit more settled down and whatnot, I would assume. Um, I like the makeup of both teams. I think both teams are outstanding, um, but I picked picked Vegas to win the series. It's a very and I honestly series. think it's just because of forward depth, like, Jack Eichel is probably the best forward on Vegas. He's probably the second best forward on either team. He's still working on getting his regular season point total back to where they were pre-injury, pre-neck mm-hmm. injury. But I, I, he's like a 100-point guy pre-neck injury. And this year he was a little hurt, like getting dealing with things and like getting his legs like a full season. I'm expecting 100 from Eichel next year. And if wow. Mark Stone plays the whole season, like that could absolutely happen. I just think the world of Jack Eichel. And Mark Stone is the best defensive winger since Marion Hosa. We've talked about that on this show for mm-hmm. days. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like what Wild Bill does in the playoffs. Like, I know he had the one year with 40 and he never had 40 again. Mm-hmm. But he always has 20, 25, 30. Absolutely. He's, a, he's a very good goal scorer. But I think Wild Bill might be their most important forward in the playoffs because of what he does in all ends of the ice. Wild Bill could go three. Wild Bill's very much he sure. He could go three or four games without a goal, and nobody cares. Nobody will ever roast him. And he does have six goals in the playoffs, I think, or five. Mm-hmm. Like, he's 
he's probably the best penalty killing forward left in the playoffs now that McDavid and Drysaddle are out. So you know, and Riley Smith and Marcheseau, what an underrated stud that guy is. I love Marcheseau. Marcheseau is so good. And you know what? When Phil the Thrill reaches a thousand points next season. If he has three cups under his belt, <laughs> we could be talking about Fat Phil making the Hall of Fame. I don't know about first ballot or anything like that, but a guy with three cups and a thousand points, hard to deny. It's hard, hard to, to deny. deny. It is hard to deny. So we'll see if Fat Phil's able to eat some cake in this playoffs and, <laughs> you know, help Vegas get to the Stanley Cup final. And I say that with nothing but love for Phil Kessel. I mm-hmm. love him. He's one of my all-time favorite players. I want to eat a hot dog with Phil Kessel more than I want to enjoy any food or beverage with any pro athlete. You know, if it was a beer with this person or... Why a hot dog? He's Philly hot dog. You don't remember the hot dog story? No, it's, it's his favorite food. I want to eat a hot dog with Phil Kessel. Like, I would hope somebody wants to eat timeout wings with me. Like, that would be my thing. Like, Phil Kessel, it was like a thing. Like, he's going to – because it was that stupid asshole reporter, Steve Simmons or whatever, in Toronto, saying that he saw Phil Kessel getting a hot dog from a hot dog stand on game day or something, you know, just ripping up. That's not food a professional athlete's supposed to be eating before going to play, (laughs) even though he's the Leafs' best player for six straight years, and he's got four 40-goal seasons while playing for the Maple Leafs, and he's not the reason they suck. But I'm going to rip on him because he likes to have a hot dog fucking idiots but yes phil kessel when he won the stanley cup, if i were phil kessel this is a quote from steve dangle when i won that phil Ke- when i won that stanley cup in 2016 i would have taken my day with the cup flown it to toronto filled it with <laughs> hot dogs from that same fucking hot dog stand and sat on a bench and eaten them out of it i love phil kessel let's go <laughs> phil i just decide i'm rooting, i'm hard on vegas for the rest of the playoffs let's go phil i love that man you like phil huh love phil Give me nice, Phil. He's, he's a good guy. Yeah. Nice. What was his Twitter bio? Nice guy, tries hard, loves the game. Was that what it was? <laughs> I don't remember what it was. Pro- to be it still probably is. Um, comedy. So, yeah, I'm going Vegas in seven. Uh, Dallas has the edge and goalie. I don't think I need to yeah, really go just, into much detail. Yeah, that's on common that. knowledge. Uh, Ottinger. Uh, I tweeted this the other day for those of you who follow me. Um, a picture of Jack Eichel and Ottinger. Not together, but I tweeted them together because you know how much I fell in love with college oh, yeah. over the last couple years. They both played for one of my favorite collegiate hockey programs. For those of you listening on the audio podcast, Boston University. Hell yeah. So credit to Jack Eichel and um, Jake Ottinger. Hopefully some BU love. There will be BU love represented in the Stanley Cup final. Um, really good coaches in the playoffs, too. And this will make G happy. Peter DeBoer is trying to make it to the Stanley Cup final in his first year with a new team for the third time. Wow. He did it with the New Jersey Devils in 2012 and the Vegas Golden... No, not the Vegas Golden Knights. The San Jose Sharks. In 2017. Wow. So, and with who, who he went to the conference finals with, some, it might have been Vegas. Yeah. Or no, it was Dallas. No. It was Dallas Vegas, this right? year. 
He did it with Vegas, I think, once too. So you know, I credit to Vegas. Credit to Peter DeBoer. He likes taking teams, and then he's going to suck next year. Like if Dallas sucks next year, fire Peter DeBoer. They'll be fine. They're really <laughs> good with him in year one, and then they tail off after every time. Um, but yeah, he's a good coach. So Frank, really quick before we get out of the second period and start talking a shit ton of video games to end the show. What's your Con Smythe trophy ranking right now? I know there's still four teams left, so it's a little hard, but I, I think there's a pretty clear cut, like two or three guys. I, to me, honestly, if I were to take somebody to win the Con Smythe, I said this earlier in the week too, um, when his odds were even larger than what they are now. I think it's Rupe Hints. I think if the Dallas Stars were to get to the cup and they win the cup, it's going to be Rupe Hints that wins the Con Smythe hands down, I would say. I don't think they're going to give it to Ottinger. I really don't. I think it's all Rupe Hints. He's going to overtake McDavid for the most points in this year's playoffs. And if they win, which isn't out of the realm of possibility, the Dallas Stars could very easily win the Stanley Cup, it's it's going to be Rupe Hints. And he's somebody I've been saying for the past week, Rupe Hints, Rupe Hints, Rupe Hints. Now, on the other side of things, if the Carolina Hurricanes win the Cup, which is also – a potential possibility that I've thought about, obviously telling you that I think they they have a really good chance of winning the cup. It's going to be Sebastian Ajo and you know, he deserves it. He really does having a great postseason. Svechnikov um, out. Ajo is filling that gap and he, he's going to deserve and he's going to be the one that they're not. I wouldn't think they give it to Anderson. Anderson's undefeated. And I mean, I guess if that, you know, continues into the Stanley cup final. And I mean, he just, if he really, really just was if he ended at this if he won the cup being undefeated maybe they give it to him i just don't see them giving it to him but who knows i could be wrong i think every team left has two clear cut guys for the dallas stars it's rupe hints and miro heiskanen i think miro heiskanen has been otherworldly in these playoffs and it's not as flashy as let's say brent burns mm-hmm. or doug hamilton or some of the kale mccarr last year but like the way he defends and he's always in proper positioning and he makes the sick first pass every single time. Uh, Miro Heiskanen. And, you know, M- Rupe Hintz is the obvious answer. Miro Heiskanen is the dark horse from Dallas. Um, from Vegas, uh, it's either Jack Eichel or Mark Stone. I think one of them, too, would be this Conn Smythe Trophy winner. As of right now, they're the leaders mm-hmm. right now from Vegas. You know, there yeah. is extra weight put it on what you do in the Stanley Cup final itself. Absolutely. Like, um, when the Kings won the cup in 2014, they gave the Conn Smythe trophy to Richards and Kopitar had more points in the playoffs, but Richards had like seven points in the final itself in five mm-hmm. games and they gave it to him instead. Um, there are a couple guys who have earned it in the final, but as we stand right now, the leaders, Vegas, Eichel and Stone for the Carolina Hurricanes, you nailed the two It's Sebastian Ajo and Fred Anderson. Um, Freddie's undefeated. Ajo's got a bunch of points. Ajo's also he's kind of developing this reputation as like a little rat in the playoffs. You know, he's not quite Brad Marchand, but he's also not Jack Hughes. Yeah. Uh, even though he tried to, he did fight Jack Hughes, but they didn't get a fighting major. They each got two minutes for roughing. So Jack Hughes wasn't able to have the Gordie Howe hat trick, which is so dumb. Um, but I guess it's also good because he didn't get taken off the ice for an extra three. Um, and then what team didn't I, oh, the Florida Panthers. Uh, it's Kachuk and Bob. Probably Bob and Kachuk in that order. I think Bob would get it. He's the leader right now for Florida. So two goalies, um, one defenseman, the rest forwards all on this list. Um, anything can happen over the final two 
series, though. Um, what a conference final it's going to be, though, Frank. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. can't wait. I can't, I can't wait either. Starting tomorrow, Carolina Hurricanes versus the Florida Panthers. And then on Friday, you will have the Vegas Golden Knights against the yep. Dallas Stars. So excited about it, Frank. Great hockey conversation all around. It was very good. Let's talk about some shiz, period number three. Like now? No, freaking tomorrow. <laughs> Frank, it's your time to shine. We do this about once a month. Frank's video game corner, lay it on me. Well, right now, it's it's been main focus has been Zelda content, right? Zelda, everybody's enjoying Zelda VP. You, you're enjoying Zelda. How far Ooh. in Zelda are you? I'm still, I'm still in the early stages, right? Like I completed a shrine last night that allowed me to get this feature where I can morph things together mm. and I have to, uh, my switch was dying as I was going to sleep last night. So I died with my switch <laughs> and, you know, put the game down after about an hour and a half of solid gameplay. When I turn it back on later tonight, my quest will be to, or my adventure will be to get some peppers and either cook up some food or eat the peppers straight up so I can go up a cold mountain and do the next shrine. Cool. Yep. So yeah, Hoping mean... to get that done tonight. That's my homework for tonight. If I don't get much farther than that tonight, I'll be okay because I got some writing to do for this conference finals too, But my and I'm reading a Star Wars book. But oh. um, my goal tonight is to get through that shrine. Okay, interesting. Well, you know, so yeah, a lot of the, the main focus for my writing has been Zelda, but some other stuff not related to Zelda. If you're a fan of Overwatch 2, you may have known that back in 2019, they announced that there was going to be a player uh, versus environment PVE type of game mode that would focus on like hero missions, all that. Well, they're scrapping that. Um, they're not going to keep their promise. They're instead going to focus on co-op, online play, and all that jazz. So if you're looking forward to that, well, tough luck. It's not coming. Uh, it's unfortunate, but, I mean, life goes on. Ubisoft plans on upping developers on Assassin's Creed to 40% additional developers on Assassin's Creed. It'll bring them up to around 2,800, just a couple hundred shy of what is used on Call of Duty, which is just unbelievable that there's like 3,000 developers that go into creating Call of Duty. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. Assassin's Creed is right there. They're going all in on this f franchise. They actually have six Assassin's Creed franchise games in development, which is pretty cool. Doesn't appear like the series is going to die anytime soon. Assassin's Creed Mirage is set for release this October. So if you're an Assassin's Creed fan, you have something to look forward to as long as it doesn't get delayed because there's been problems with the release date saying it's going to come out in 2024, but then I know it's going to come out in 2023. So there's been ups and downs with that, but if you're a fan of Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed Mirage is set to come out in October this year. A very interesting story, the one that I think you'll really like, Vin, is you know the Call of Duty map shipment? Yes. With all the cargo boxes, right? It was yep, great. I like the map. I like the map. It was in 2007's Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and... Word got out this week from an Infinity Ward developer that stated that map wasn't supposed to be in the game. It was completely in the game by accident. That when they were developing the video game, they used shipment developers as a testing map to test guns, test killstreaks, test a whole bunch of stuff out. And when the game was released, they forgot to take the map out. 
It was never planned to be in, in the game at all. They forgot to take the map out right before the game's release. They left it in because of all the praise it was getting, and that really paved the way for maps like Nuketown and Rust. And if that would have never happened, we may have never gotten some of those smaller maps that we love today, which I just thought was unbelievable. Like, that was so interesting. Was Shipment a downloadable content map again in Modern Warfare 2? The newer, the newer one. I Modern guess. Warfare three? No, like the newer, not modern, not the modern. Oh, Warfare II. modern warfare, like, like the one the that, new, yeah. yeah, the newer. I remember uh, seeing modern warfare too. Yeah, or, I remember that. Or yeah, modern warfare maybe. Yeah, I think it was modern warfare, the newer one, the twenty whatever, twenty nineteen or. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, you were. I don't know if it was necessarily downloadable content. I think they just added it in as like a, a playlist. But yeah. it's just crazy to think like if that doesn't happen, we we might not get a Rust. We might not get a Nuketown. Which Rust and Nuketown are considered to be like Mount Rushmore Call of Duty maps. Yeah, because shipment paved the way for those those smaller types of maps. So oh, even fact, firing range was a small. I know, and and the fact like they didn't plan on putting the, like that small of a map in it. The whole perspective of call of duty could have been different but um yeah Skyler says modern warfare 2019 yeah that's that's the one um but that's really it because you know a lot of my focus has been on zelda and writing guides for it so if you need you want to know how to do something you can have over to apptrigger.com we literally have so many guides it is unbelievable like there's this guy writing just simply about the shrines and how to complete the shrines. I've been writing how to get cool armor sets, cool weapons. I mean, it, it's been really cool. I need you to get it and play it. You'd like that, huh? I would. I'm, I can't stop thinking about it. Like I can't wait to do that shrine. I got to figure out a way to get link ready for some cold. So that's my goal for tonight. I it's, it's fun. It's a good, it's good stuff. Um, what are you watching this weekend? Finishing House of Dragons. We got two episodes left, so that'll nice. be done. That'll be done. I'm excited about that. Um, really, nothing new. I'm trying to think if there's anything new. Haven't gotten a Spidey verse yet, but probably will when House of Dragons is over. Quick watch. Knock that out before June. Um, yeah, nothing new. Survivor. Same old, same old playoffs. You know. Well, how about you? Um, I have been kind of running old MCU movies just for fun to kill time lately. Like I watched Spider-Man Homecoming. I watched Civil War, uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel. Um, don't know when we're going to get around to Endgame, but I mean, I'm trying to get through this stuff, um, cause I'm so excited about it and like, I need to get to see Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So, you know. That that's really cool. I saw the Super Mario movie came out where you could buy it and watch it at home. Yeah, I would I would like to watch that sometime really soon. It's available to own and rent. Yeah, I have a wedding this weekend, so it's going to be hard to like spend a lot of time watching non sports related content. But um, I'm I'm excited to do all that stuff. So, and I've been reading Heir to the Empire, and I watched the Ahsoka Tano trailer. Mm-hmm. And it, it like is based on the book. So like I highly recommend this book that I'm reading to anybody who plans on enjoying and understanding Ahsoka better because this is good stuff. Um, learning about the villain that's going to be in it and seeing Luke and Leia deal with this adventure. It, it's fun. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, other sports. I saw the Nuggets have a one nothing lead over the Lakers. That's true. The Heat play the Celtics in game one tonight. Yep. So, that's so what do you think? Yeah, you know what else was yesterday was the NBA draft lottery. 
Yes, yes, I meant to touch on that. Vinny wrote a Shooty Hoops article for the first time in a couple months. Bulls had a 1.8% chance of winning. Spoiler alert, they did not. Um, They had 18 four ping pong ball combinations, and they weren't lucky enough, but the San Antonio Spurs were. For the third time in franchise history, they will pick number one. The past two times that they've picked number one, um, both of those players have gone to the Hall of Fame. So, and the 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 person supposed to go number one this year is a, like a French sensation. ESPN said he's the most anticipated uh, player since LeBron James in 2003. He is. Um, they called him a generational talent, which I thought was pretty cool. So we're gonna have a generational talent in hockey and the NBA coming in at the same time. Um, it, it should be interesting. I know this guy's massive. I thought I read he's seven, five, but that just doesn't seem right. That somebody would be that tall. Um, seven, five, eight foot wingspan. No, I just don't think it is. I thought it was maybe seven, five or seven, two. Um, but what makes him so good is he like can make those fadeaway threes, those step back threes and being so tall, like normally guys like that, don't normally play that style of game. Like you look at Giannis, he's not sitting chilling at the three point line, nailing a three. But if this, if that's true, this guy's going to be able to do it both ways, be able to get down low, you know, have a few dunks, but go also go and nail some threes. I mean, that's a true generational talent. I do agree. By no means is he probably going to be better than LeBron, but the hype around him is just, it's unbelievable. So congrats to the San Antonio Spurs on Nate, uh, nailing him. And yeah. That's what I got for the NBA. Sounds like this guy's going to be a mix of Clay Thompson and Giannis. Could be. Which is a, a supreme skill set. Absolutely. I mean, LeBron is kind of a uh, – LeBron's three-point shooting wasn't terrible in his prime. Oh, no. So, you know. He's not 7'5", but – No, no. But he's, big, <laughs> he's big, though. He's a noticeable figure on the court if you were to yes. remove everybody's jersey and you oh, yeah. all you saw were people. He's mm-hmm. a noticeable being out there, I would mm-hmm. say, LeBron. Absolutely. So, you know, if this guy helps turn the Spurs, are you still a Spurs guy? Yeah, I'd have nothing against the Spurs. I like the Spurs. I remember they, you used to call them your favorite team. I don't know if that was just BS little kid talk. No, I mean, I didn't really watch the NBA back then, so I wanted a team to be one of my favorites. But um, I, there, I have nothing against the Spurs. I wouldn't say they're still one of my favorite teams, but, you know, good for them. Who knows? Maybe this will re-spark some interest in at least watching. I mean, I know I'm going to check him out, the new guy. when he I got to see him, yeah. It's yeah, just... I got to I gotta check out the hype. Like, I feel like a medium basketball or a medium hockey fan will be watching a Blackhawks game early next season just yeah. so they could check out the hype, you Absolutely. know. Um, but, yeah, that's exciting. Um, baseball, um, Sox and the Cubs both trying to get out of it. It's rough. But, you know, the Astros go from the White Sox to the Cubs. Lucky them. <laughs> um, but, yeah, um, got a couple got a couple parlays on home run hitters in tonight. Really? Yeah. Is it so, a breaking bets segment you're going to? I'll say I'm in breaking bets. Yeah, why not? Um, oh, Luis Robert, home run in four straight games. Let's make it really? five tonight. Yeah. Let's make it five tonight and tie a White Sox franchise record. AJ Pierzynski hit home run in five straight games in 2012. Wow. So let's break a record here tonight, Lou Bob. Get a big win over the guards. Um, Frank, it's time for America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. Breaking bets. 
Bitch. Frank. VP. Breaking bets. Back below 50%. By a percent. Went one and two. Oh, all right. What was the tie? It was an over-under that pushed. Oh. Did it involve the Oh, no, 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 no. It was... Oh yeah, it wasn't over under in the NHL. It was I it was a Dallas game, I think. Okay. Pretty sure. I don't I believe it. I believe it. It was like over under six and it was four to two. Yeah. Actually it was an over under in the Hurricanes Islanders series, I think. Oh. That makes sense. Yeah. That's what it was, I'm pretty sure. And it was like four to two. So Anyway, we got three MLB picks today. No hockey picks, no NBA picks, three MLB picks. We're going to start off with the Yankees at the Blue Jays. I like the Blue Jays' money line. Cole's pitching against Bassett. The price on Cole seems too good to be true. Blue Jays have lost both games to the Yankees in the series, and I think this is a great spot for the Blue Jays to bounce back with Bassett on the mound. Um just when a, it just seems too good to be true. I think the whole public's going to be jumping over the Yankees just because Garrett Cole's pitching. Um, but I do think the Blue Jays will get the best of him. And maybe even if it's not him, the bullpen, I just think that the Blue Jays win this game. There's good value on him as a home, uh, home pick him, I guess, at minus 109. So Blue Jays money line, first pick right there. Second pick, Brewers play the Cardinals. This is another very similar situation to Garrett Cole pitching for the Yankees. Well, Corbin Burns is pitching for the Brewers, and I know everybody is going to be hopping over the Brewers just because Burns is pitching. Brewers have been worlds better this year than the Cardinals. Um, And Libertor is pitching for the Cardinals, who hasn't pitched this year. But once again, the line is just too good to be true. It just seems like if you were to take uh, the Brewers, it'd be free money which is why I'm leaning towards the uh, Cardinals money line at minus 106. Um, the line to me is just too close for comfort. So I would swing with the St. Louis Cardinals in a central division battle. And then this pick, my next pick, the third and last pick, you got the Atlanta Braves at the Texas Rangers. Striders pitching against the Valdi. Man, Spencer Strider is just a strikeout machine. He is He is so good. Um, and on the other end of it, Avaldi's been pitching so well. He hasn't given up a run in three games. He's pitched three games with no earned runs. Um, you know, I expect these trends, this trend to continue today, at least through the first inning. So I'm taking no run in the first inning in the Braves and Rangers game. That price is minus 132. That is what I like. Three MLB picks. Hopefully we win all three. That'll be nice. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hear go. what you got. I want to hear what you got. What you're, uh... um, I did um, Spencer Steer, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., and Bryce Harper all to hit a home run. Okay. I parlayed the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, and the Padres. Um, let me see. Which I believe right now the Diamondbacks are winning. Yeah. Yep. And the Padres and Royals are tied at zero, so those are the active ones. And the um, Dodgers tied. Oh, the Dodgers are tied? They, two, they started two. already? Yeah. Oh, okay. Go Dodgers. Um, and then I parlayed the White Sox and the Cubs. 
Um, and then Juan Soto, Otani, and Devers to all hit a home run. Together? Yeah. <laughs> Just having like $1 fun. Like $1 to win $1,000. <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. I mean, I saw one hit yesterday. A guy made $8,000 by betting $5. He hit Robert Gurriel. um, It might have been Arenado. I forget who it was. There were four guys, and they all bombed. And he won $8,000 betting five. So, like, $1 to win $1,000. Like, it's just a fun, like, with no hockey on. Yeah. Like, I don't know, just some fun. Um, But, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Don't keep track of my record, please. Not <laughs> yeah, that's breaking bets, though, Frank. What a show. Video games, hockey, shit. Life it's is good. good. It's a good show. It was a long first period. And, uh, yeah, that's what we Absolutely. got for this. 100%. I just want to give a quick shout-out to our good friend and director at the program, um, Aldo Gandia. We are thinking of you, and we love you very much. Uh, make sure you read my work at thewindycity.com, puckpros.com, blackateel.com, pucksandpitchworks.com, and southsideshowdown.com, where I'm covering all things Chicago sports, New Jersey Devils, and Jacksonville Jaguars. Frankie's covering The Legend of Zelda and every other thing cool about video games at apptrigger.com. Make sure you read all of that via the fan-sided network. And then, of course, make sure you tune into the rest of the shows here at the Barroom Network. Very excited to be a part of that. Frank, any last words? No, I got nothing. Got nothing. Don't eat raisin bran. It's not that great. Don't eat raisin bran. Nasty shit. Nasty shit. So not nasty shit, but you know, we'll see what happens in these conference finals. Make sure you watch hockey. Make sure you watch Bardon. We will see you next week. As always, thank you for listening.